Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, here is Pastor Deborah Malik. So, um, as they said, I'm Pastor Deb. I am Pastor Matt's wife, and this year we'll be married 28 years. So, it's a long time. But we've known each other um, like as old as the church is almost, so 30, almost 36 years. So that's a long time. But Matt and I have four children, and we're talking about generations. And in order for there to get to be generations, we have to keep producing, right? That's kind of how that happens. And so I don't know if there's a picture, but we have our family, we have four children. Oh, there we all are. That was at Thanksgiving. So we have four children, and of our four children, three are married, so that made us seven, have seven children that just, we just adopted them, I guess, you know. And then um, we also have a South Korean student. He lived with us for about two and a half years, and so he came to visit over Thanksgiving. But we've hosted 13 international students over the years, so that's a lot of lot of children. And then there's my dad, and that was his last Thanksgiving with us. And he looks all sad there because that was a hard day for him. It was his first Thanksgiving without mom, and he like was really good until mealtime, and then he just like cried and cried. And so to get him in this picture was a blessing. And so. Um, with our family, you know, I calculated, we've already doubled, so there's 12 of us because now we have the five grandchildren. And so if we keep doing this, we're gonna have quite the clan math. <laughs> of course, we're done with that part of it, but, you know, go Schultz's. Right. <laughs> they want six children, so I think we're good, right, Bob and Lori? Yes. Um, so, you know, when we think about planning, and we've been talking about generations, and so this year as we entered into the year, it's important for us to pass the baton, you know, to reach other people, to share the Lord with other people. And that's how we reproduce spiritually, is sharing our story with people, talking to people about what Jesus did for us. Our scripture that we're using this year is Psalms 119, 89 and 90 in the English Standard Version. And it says, Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You've established the earth, and it stands fast. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you that today as we hear your word, as we receive from you, Father, I thank you that my mouth becomes your mouthpiece. God, that the things that you want shared today are shared, and that not one person leaves here today without receiving something from you. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, as we talk about um, being generational and having a generational transfer when you think about that like what does that mean to you you know whether whether you 
ever get married and ever have children, you can still have a generational transfer. And it's because you're born into a new family, into the family of God. And so that's how we can transfer generationally. That's how we can grow our sphere of influence, the people around us, by sharing Jesus with them. So I don't know if um, we have the apprentices. All right. So um, in talking about children and developmentally, you know, children are at all different stages of life. And, and you know, when we, um, most babies, we start walking at about 12 months old, but this guy was a little sooner. <coughs> so we're going to show you some of skill, the skill set that Smith has as he walks to mom and dad. This is, this is his debut, everybody. Okay. So now can you go back to dad? You call him daddy, dad, dad, dada, whatever you are. Go, go, go. I think I saw his dad do a little trick with him earlier today. So how about if we try your game where you chase him? Okay, let's see. Smith. Hey. Let's see. Good job. Good job. Oh, look at that. All right, good job, Smith. Now you see how slow he started out, but then especially with that chasing game, he was almost running, right? He was really trucking along there. And as he gets older and older, he's gonna develop those skills even more. And I had um, a little three-year-old, four-year-old, that was gonna help me, but the snow kept her away today. But she was gonna show us how much more proficient that you can be at walking when you're three or four years old. You can jump and hop and run. You can even twirl. Like there's more that you can do the older you get. And then think about children who really apply themselves when it, when it comes to that skill set. And maybe they love gymnastics. And so that's like walking at a whole new level, right? That's where they can do handsprings and cartwheels and roundups and Believe it or not, I used to be able to do some of that stuff. <laughs> I won't do that today. So, um, But it's because it was practice and practicing and practicing. You know, the first time you try doing the flip, you're probably going to flop, right? <laughs> um, but the more you do it, like, it's amazing when you watch, like, the Olympics and some of the gymnasts. The things that they can do with their bodies are, like, amazing. But that just didn't happen overnight, did it? <laughs> that took practice. When we think about um, children in all the different stages of life, there's something that I always say about refuge. When I think about refuge, we are five years into our sixth year here at refuge. So think about what a six-year-old can do. 
like we're way more proficient than when we started out. <laughs> you know, when we started out, it was baby steps, and we would take a few steps and we'd stumble and fall, but we'd get back up again. And so now we're at the stage as a church that we can walk, we can walk a straight line pretty good. We might even be able to do cartwheels if we apply ourselves, right? And so there's different things that we can do. There's the birth stage, the crawling stage, the walking stage, the jumping stage, the running stage. <laughs> and so now we have a little more finesse as a church. So we're in those primary years. So when we're in our primary years, we're not babies anymore. And so think about all of you sitting in these chairs and how long you've had a relationship with the Lord. When I think of myself like, whoa, <laughs> this is 35 years, almost 36 years that I've had a relationship with the Lord. That's like way more than half my life, you know. But, um, <laughs> but just knowing that I've had all these years to grow in my walk with the Lord. Now, I could have stayed a baby. I could have never read my Bible. I could have come to church when I felt like it. You know, day like today, why would I come to church? So yay, you. <laughs> um, you know, there's different choices that we make every single day when it comes to our walk with the Lord. And we can stay babies. You know, we can stay bottle-fed and pacifiers, and everything's about me and meet my needs. Or we can choose to say, you know what? It's time for me to grow up. <laughs> How can I walk with the Lord in a more mature way? And so when I think about that, and I think about us being more intentional about what we do. So when I first became a Christian, um, when I first walked into this church, it was at a different location back then, but, but I can remember people that were there that I was like, oh my gosh, like they really love God. When they praise the Lord, when they sing songs, their hands are raised, and I remember thinking, I could never raise my hands like that, like there's no way. Well then, you know what, the more I surrendered, the easier that got. And so now I have no problem <laughs> raising my hands in worship to the Lord. But, but those took baby steps and steps of surrender. So when we, we again, talking about child development, so we have a child care center here, and I'm one of the founding, founding director, along with Pastor Matt, who's the founder. Um, over the years, it's been interesting because there's so many things in child care that they try to make be the, the latest, the next best. You know, everything has been play-based learning. Everything you do has to do with play, and that's how children learn. Well, then that changed, and it was literacy. So everything had to be about books and letters and all those kinds of things. Well, then it's brain development. So how do you do literacy without brain development? And then social and emotional growth. Like, you'll never be a whole person without social and emotional growth, right? And well-being. But guess what? In order to do that, you had to be really good at playing, so let's go back to play-based education. 
And then it just continues to go in cycles. And one thing over all these years that I've learned about caring for children and serving children in childcare is the very best thing you can give them is the love of God. That's something that never changes. That's something that's always consistent. And that's part of why we have a Christian child care center. Because you can provide care to children all day long, but when you can sow into a child's life that they are loved by God, that they're created in his image, that God loves them so much that there's nothing they could do to make him hate them. Like when a kid gets that kind of revelation, they won at this thing called life. And so there's a plug for anybody who wants to work at Kena Land. It is the best thing. Just kidding. That's not what that is. But, but if you do think that, um, it's a place where children are loved and nurtured in the admonition of God. And it's also knowing that it is not easy work. Working with children and growing children isn't something that's easy. Just like in our walk with the Lord, this isn't always easy. You know, there's bumps in the road. We can be just moving along and really going in that big trip and fall and Dustin catches me. Good job, Dustin. <laughs> and that's how that works. People around us catch us when we fall. People around us are there to encourage us. People around us are there to tell us the truth when we need to hear the truth. That's part of our walk with the Lord. And I know it can sound, you know, idealistic that when we're training children that in spite of shortcomings and weaknesses and flaws, that the love of God is what helps bring us to a place of total repentance and, and a real heart change. It sounds cliche, but that's what's real is knowing that Jesus can make that kind of difference in our lives. The other thing about children is they come with their own sets of challenges. You know, when our first son Daniel was born, even though I worked in childcare all those years, I'm like, okay, where's my instruction manual? God, you forgot the instruction manual. Like, what do I do with him now? You know, we, I remember us walking in the house with Daniel after being at the hospital a few days and, and just walking in and looking at each other and like, what do we do now? <laughs> because the nurses were there and helping us and taking care of us and, and Daniel. But um, we did figure it out. <laughs> at least he was our guinea pig, so, you know. Um, if you wanna know what's wrong with Daniel, <laughs> if you listen to this, Daniel, I love you. There's nothing wrong with you. <clears throat> children also become a product of the society that they're raised in. The way you pour into their children is what will come out of them. You know, I was raised in a home that um, my parents were raised in homes where they were never told they were loved, that they were never encouraged, they were never had an environment that, that they were like, you know, how about if you try out for the school band, or how about if you join wrestling or whatever. Like my parents, they both grew up on farms, and so that's what they did, they worked hard. So for them, in parenting us, we needed to work hard. And I didn't grow up on a farm, but um, you know, 
when I was 16 years old and I wanted my driver's license, it was during the summer that I turned 16, and they were like, well, if you want to go for your driver's uh, license training, then you're going to have to get to town on your own. And we live five miles from Marathon City where I grew up. And guess what I did? For six weeks, I rode my bike to town because I was determined that I was going to get my driver's license. So there was nothing that was going to stop me. And yet, my parents didn't really help make that happen. Well, they did. They said, I had a choice. <laughs> Wait or not. But, um, but that was part of the environment that I was raised in. I know that now there's this big thing out there like you never tell your child no. Never say no to a child. And, you know, that might be your philosophy, but let's see how that works for them when they get to be about 18, 20 years old and they go for jobs and they get denied. Their whole world will fall apart. When we don't say no, because it's not realistic, like, like let's say Michaela wanted to be an artist. You know, Michaela, when she was a little girl, she would sit on our bed and, and use my lap desk and she'd have these notebooks out and she'd just draw pages and pages of circles. Like everywhere, little circles everywhere. <laughs> now if I said to her, draw this amazing winter scene, I might not get that because that probably wasn't her gift. <laughs> and so it's our job as parents to nurture the gifts that God's placed in the children that he's entrusted us with. So when I, I think about that, I, you probably have all seen this, um, this little saying, it's children learn what they live. I just think it is absolutely amazing and so much truth. If children live with criticism, they learn to condemn. So think about you as a person, and what kind of person are you, and what's the outcome, and what do you want to be different? If children live with hostility, they learn to fight. If children live with fear, they learn to be apprehensive. If children live with pity, they learn to feel sorry for themselves. If children live with ridicule, they learn to feel shy. If children live with, je with jealousy, they learn to feel envy. There's a whole list of these, but if children live with sharing, they learn generosity. If children live with honesty, they learn truthfulness. If they live with fairness, they learn justice. If they live with kindness, they learn consideration and respect. If children live with security, they learn to have faith in themselves and those around them. If children live with friendliness, they learn that the world is a nice place in which to live. So there's all the negative side of things, but then there's all the positive side of things. And again, we pour into our children, but we pour into ourselves too. If you were raised in a home where I was the oldest child, and so there was five of us total, four underneath me, and we were all, like, pretty close in age, except I had a brother who was 13 years younger than me, and he was the surprise of the family. But everybody loves Greg. <laughs> and I was given a lot of responsibility at a young age. So at 10 years old, my parents both worked outside the home. My mom worked at a supper club. She was a waitress, and 
She also worked at Menards, and she worked in their HR department. But during those times, I was responsible, like those kids were ever going to listen to me, right? If you're the oldest and you have other siblings, like they really listen, sure. <laughs> it's just, you better not tell mom and dad, or, you know. So mom and dad, you probably hear all kinds of secrets now, or you know about them all. <laughs> but sometimes two children never really grow up, right? And we don't want that when it comes to our faith. Sometimes I say that to my husband, you know, because when he was a little boy, he really liked tractors, and he still really likes tractors, only they're bigger and cost a lot more money. Like, is that a child not growing up? I don't know. But I think that about all those guys that are construction workers and stuff, and you've got those really big things that you get to, like, I don't know what they're all called, like bulldozers and whatever those things are all called. <laughs> But you guys must really like that, right? Because it's like you're a little boy and you get to play on this big equipment, but now you get paid for it. That's how my brain works. So, <laughs> so again, when we think about growing up, though, spiritually, like, I don't want to stay a baby. I don't want to stay dependent on the people around us. Like when Smith was walking, when he first started, he's dependent on his parents, but there's going to be a day that boy is going to go and look out mom and dad. He already does. <laughs> so again, that scripture, Psalm 119, 89 and 90. O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. So he's so faithful to us. You know, I, I think about those developmental stages. So an infant is anything 12 months and under. Then a toddler is 12 to 23 months. Preschool is 2 to 5-year-olds. School age is 6 to 11. And then there's adolescence, 12 to 18 years. Those are the really fun years, aren't they? Yes. How many of you want to go back to those days? Come on, let me see. Oh, your hands. Mark does? Okay. Okay, there you go. Mark's going back. When Pastor Matt has that time machine, you'll be able to go back. <laughs> so a, a thing that we don't have to parallel in our spiritual walk and in our um, natural is that I can still be a baby in my spiritual walk, and I can be reproductive. I can share Jesus with people. I can tell them about what he's done in my life. I can share my story with them. And guess what? They're going to want what I have, right? And so I'm going to be able to pray with them, and I'm going to be able to lead them to Jesus. And that's what every one of us in this room are capable of doing. All these empty chairs here, just because it's a snow day, but they can all be filled because you shared your story with somebody of what Jesus did in your life. And that doesn't mean you have to be born again and walking with Jesus for 35 years. That means it can be one minute, one second. Because what Jesus did in my life, when I first received him as Lord, like I told everybody, all of my friends about Jesus. Like, I was probably one of those people they might have wanted to lock up for a few days <laughs> because anybody I could get around, I'd be like, guess what Jesus did for me? And then I was filled with the Holy Spirit, 
And so I was able to speak in tongues. And guess what? You better really lock me up then. Because I'm going to all my friends and I'm like, listen to me. Listen to what I can do. And then I'd pray in the spirit for them. And they'd be like, what in the world happened to her? (laughs) But, you know, my life, my life walk changed. And I wasn't that same person. Like, I was a partier. I was a drinker. I was, I got into drugs. Like, all of that kind of stuff was my lifestyle. But when I received Jesus into my heart, when he became Lord of my life, all that stuff left. I didn't have a desire for any of it anymore. And that's a miracle. (laughs) You know, I, I think about God's faithfulness and Again, that part of that scripture where it says, O oh Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You know, I showed that picture with my dad, and today happens to be the one-month anniversary of my dad going to heaven. And so I think it's kind of interesting because I was supposed to speak last week, and, and yet God's timing is best. And I think about God's faithfulness. And, and you know, in this last year, a couple years, Matt's dad has gone home with, to be with the Lord. My mom passed away last January. I, my sister-in-law, Dee, our sister-in-law, passed away in December. And then, then my dad passes away. <laughs> and we did not enter this year thinking my dad wasn't going to be part of our lives this year. As a matter of fact, we planned every single week around my dad and my dad's schedule, you know, and so, so entering into this season, like all these people are like, how are you doing it? How are you able to get through this? And I think because of God's faithfulness, because we've tapped into something that we're not having to build a house in the midst of a storm. That foundation has been laid. And that doesn't mean we don't miss them. And, you know, I miss my dad. He, he was my bud, you know. And this last year, I, I know I had um, spoken before and said how my mom took every, care of everything at our house. And so when she passed away, it was like, oh, my gosh, now what are we going to do? And so I kind of became dad's secretary, really, <laughs> took care of all that kind of stuff at his house and, and you know, with, um, with all of that. And so he, he was my bud. And I remember thinking, God, why did mom pass away before dad? And it's, I feel like for my selfish reason, <laughs> is because I didn't have the kind of relationship that I had with my dad this last year. Like, I love him to pieces and miss him a lot, you know, and my life isn't the same because he's not in it. But, but God is faithful. He's so faithful, and he's been able to sustain us and walk us through this time. And, you know, something that God gave me that is really amazing is um, I never saw my dad as a praying man. And Pastor Matt, I remember him talking about his dad and he would pray for, uh, their whole family would pray for Grandpa Malik to get saved. Because <laughs> uh, apparently he was a rough old guy. And so, 
So he said he would envision his dad with his hands raised and worshiping God. And he got to see his dad walk out a life with his hands raised and worshiping God. And, you know, with my dad, he, you know, grew up and was in the Catholic Church his whole life and faithful guy to the Catholic Church. And, and like, even when my mom passed, he couldn't go to church. It was too hard for him. So he would watch Mass on TV. And we would say, Dad, you need to go to church. Like, all your friends miss you at church. And he's like, well, if I go to church, who's going to watch the guys on TV? You know, so I'm like, okay, good one, Dad. (laughs) You know, so, but I got to see my dad as a praying man. We have a living room at our house, and there's big picture windows, and he he has a, um, had a chair, like a, a sitting chair, and he would kneel on that chair, and he would look out the window, and he would pray. And we would be over there visiting him, and all of a sudden, Dad was gone. We'd be like, Dad, where are you? What are you doing? I'm just up here praying. And I thought, for me, that was a vision I thought I'd never get to see in my life. But God is faithful. I got to see my dad as a praying man. So I'm so thankful for that. And it gives me such a peace in knowing that he has a relationship with the Lord. And I believe that part of that is the consistency of our story lived out in front of him. People like Cody. Cody is my cousin. He would stop by my mom and dad's house sometimes, and they saw a change in Cody's life. So there is something different, something that was happening. You know, we talk about children, and children can be steady, unsteady and unsure. They can be curious and talkative. You know, think about a little kid just talking and talking, and Parents will be like, okay, when are they going to stop talking? First, you want them to say your first words, mama, dad, dad, and everything else, right? Packers, you know. But (laughs) then after a while, you're like, okay, when is this kid going to stop asking questions? But then they get to be teenagers, and that can be kind of dangerous, right? But when I think about a child being talkative, I think about us and our faith being talkative. I think about the things that comes out of our mouth. Psalms 19:14. It says let the words of my oh that that's a different version. This <laughs> um it's let my words and my thoughts be pleasing to you Lord because you are my mighty rock and my protector. And there's another way that that scripture goes, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O God. What kinds of words come out of your mouth? If you're one of those cussing saints, I have news for you. Do you know that there's a commandment that says that we should not use the Lord's name in vain? That means we shouldn't be cussing. I I always think... (laughs) If there's people be like, well, what about this word and that word? And I'll be like, well, if it's not cute for a two-year-old to say it, it probably shouldn't come out of your mouth. So that's just my Pastor Dub, the mama of the house, little talk to all of you. And, you know, because to me, it's a blessing that should come out of our mouths. As children, we're sons and daughters. Romans 8 in the New Living Translation, 815, 
It says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, which means like saying, Daddy, Daddy. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we're his children, we're his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we're to share his glory, we also must share in his suffering. What that means is that there's parts of us that goes away when we accept Jesus into our heart and when he becomes the Lord of our lives. He's adopted us as his own children. And again, that became a revelation to me with both of my parents are gone. They're in heaven now. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like I've been orphaned. Like, even though I helped dad and I helped mom, they were still mom and dad. And they were still always there. But then all of a sudden, I don't have them anymore. So you guys, if your parents are around, please spend time with them. (laughs) Love them, talk to them. Grandparents, like all of that, because there'll be a day that life is going to be different for you. And I'm living that out right now. But you know what? I'm always going to be one of God's children. So I'm really never orphaned. Like this word says, I'm adopted. I'm one of his children. And we all are. We have a new dad. We have a new guy that we go to for for all these things, and when we need love and encouragement, and when we need to ask him for things, that's who he is to us. <coughs> Excuse me. So again, with our teenage years, so we went through primary grades, now we're teenagers, and we know teenagers just kind of want to do things their own way sometimes, right? Any teenagers in the house? Yes. Okay. Well, you don't want to admit it. Like, why don't you want to admit it? Okay. Anna. Yay, Anna. Well, you know what, you guys? (laughs) Our brain doesn't really develop, totally develop, until we're like in our 30s. So even for some of you 20-somethings, you're getting there. You're getting there. But part of that is because our mind is always needing to be renewed. When I think that I know better than God... That's when my world is going to have a rude awakening, right? 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 12. It says, we do use wisdom when speaking to people who are mature in their faith. But it isn't the wisdom of this world or its rulers who will soon disappear. We speak of God's hidden and mysterious wisdom that God decided to use for our glory long before the world began. The rulers of this world didn't know anything about this wisdom, but they had known about it. If they'd known about it, they would not have nailed the glorious Lord to the cross. But it is just as the scriptures say, what God has planned for people who love him, that's all of you, what God has planned for you is more than eyes have seen or ears have heard or have even entered your minds. That's what God has for you. God's spirit has shown you everything. His spirit finds out everything, even what's deep in the mind of God. You're the only one who knows what is in your own mind, and God's spirit is the only one who knows what's in God's mind. 
But God has given us his spirit. That's why we don't think the same way that the people of this world think. That's why we can recognize the blessings that God has given us. See, my world looks way different than it did 36 years ago. <laughs> Whenever you receive Jesus, your, your world today probably looks way different when you, than when you first asked Jesus into your heart. So if you want to change the current circumstance you're in, if you want something to be different, then it's time to grow up in your faith. It's time to make decisions that are a little different than you made yesterday. If what's, what you've been doing hasn't been working for you, then it's time to do something different, right? Don't they say like that's like a sign of craziness? Like when you do the same thing over and over again and think you're going to get different results, but they're always the same. You know, let God pour himself into your spirit so that your life looks different. Why do we want to hang on to ourselves so much? <laughs> like, what is it that we don't want to let go of? I'd just like you to all close your eyes. And I'd want to ask you to open your heart and your life to Jesus. Let him make an everyday difference, an every second difference in your life. I want you to think about yourself right now. What God has planned for you. Because you're a people, you're a person who loves him. It's more than your eyes have seen or your ears have heard. It's more than even enters your comprehension. He has so much for your life. And so with every eye closed and your heads bowed, if you're sitting in this room today and you're like, I have never asked Jesus to really be the Lord of my life. I know he's my savior. I know he died on the cross for me, but I haven't given him lordship. If that's you today, all the eyes are closed. Just lift your hand before Jesus and tell him today, I want my life to be different. I want a new life in Jesus. And maybe you have, you see that hand. Maybe you have received Jesus. Maybe he is the Lord of your life. I see that hand. But you, you know you've not been living your life pleasing to God. Let today be the first day. Let today be your new start, your new beginning. And again, just lift your hand before Jesus and say, today's it. I'm drawing the line in the sand or the snow. <laughs> I'm drawing that line and I'm saying today, I want my life to be different. Let's pray this prayer together. Dear Jesus, I ask that you come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. I ask that you forgive me for everything that I've said or done or thought that wasn't in line with your will for my life. Today, Lord, is my first day 
of this new life in you. In Jesus' name. Father, I just pray over this congregation, over these people, and I thank you, God, that you made those adjustments in their hearts. It's all between you and them. But God, that those people that open their heart to receive all that you have for them, that today is the day they meet you in a new way. In Jesus' name. Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.